listening to Idea, the podcast about improving data engagement and advocacy. I'm Brianna Wham. And I'm Shannon Sheridan. In our episodes, we'll be bringing you interviews from real-world data professionals who are engaging their researchers in new and novel ways. We'll also be reviewing the literature and keeping you up to date on what's getting published that's worth a read, or in your case, a listen. We hope you'll join us as we talk with our colleagues and see what's working, or what's not, in the wider world of research data management. There are many examples of embedded data curators that different institutions use to support their researchers' data management practices, but no two programs seem to work in the same way or exist in the same setting. In this episode, we're going to hear about an embedded data management and curation support service in the context of a U.S. national lab, Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. The advanced team is a group of librarians, curators, and engineers who work with various projects across the lab to support good data management practices. Full disclosure, some of you might remember that I work at PNNL as the research data librarian, and I am, in fact, a part of the advanced team. But for the purposes of this interview, I'm still the show's host, so we get to hear more interesting content from our guest. But Brianna, I am relying on you to call us out if we get too jargony and PNNL specific. I can do that. And to kick things off, I think it'd be great if we could have each of you introduce yourselves and tell us a bit more about your roles and how they fit into the research data management ecosystem at PNNL. I'm Thomas Serrano, and I'm a data engineer in research information management at PNNL. And so my role is pretty diverse in the things that I do. So I do things from helping researchers build data pipelines. I do a bit of software development and a bit of data curation. I kind of really end up in the thick of everything. And it really helps me learn a lot about what's going on at the lab, learn about new topics of research. And it's, I'd say it's a really fun job. And then this helps me fit into the research data management ecosystem by helping me be available at kind of the lowest level to projects. If they need help with instrument connectivity, if they need help with processing their data as it comes off instruments, that's kind of my role that I'm there to help fill. So I'm Dr. Erin Isolero Barker. Um, I'm a senior research scientist here at Pacific Northwest National Lab. And for the last 20 years, I've been working in computational modeling, started out in fracture mechanics. And in this context, I happen to be the PI of a large project where we really needed strong data stewardship from the get-go for the project to be successful. And so most of my work sits at that intersection between physical experiments, the computational modelers, but also data analytics. And the currency that we use to exchange is data. And so brought in a data hub advanced team to work on that particular project. And we've seen some really exciting movement in adoption of data management and data stewardship by the domain scientists, reaching out to a lot of areas of the lab and bringing them examples of how do you do data stewardship really well. So I'm Michael Hoffmachel, and I lead a group focused on research information management. And of course, data is included in there, but it is expansive and includes all the other ancillary things you need to make data valuable. And I'm the initiative lead for what we call Data Hub, and Data Hub has two parts. Uh, One is a platform for data management and data preservation. And the other part is a service, and that's really the advanced team. And we 
embed in projects upstream of Data Hub to reduce friction into this platform. Awesome. Thank you. I think it'll be useful for our listeners. They want to have a brief statement or description of the types of projects that are done at PNNL. I will say I've done a lot of recruiting efforts and it's easier to tell you what we don't do than what we do do. That is a shorter list. PNNL is a Department of Energy National Lab. And so we cover a broad range of scientific topics, all of which we bring together to address challenges and problems that the nation is facing. Everything from how do you optimize the power grid and bring in renewable energy to how do you develop advanced manufacturing techniques that um, will reduce time and energy costs? How do you do things like nuclear energy? How do you do microbiomes in the soil? So we, we cover a huge range of projects. So we're dealing with biologists, chemists, material scientists, computer scientists, modelers. I'm probably forgetting half of the job families at the lab, but it's a huge range of things. And segueing off that, Michael, you know, you talked about helping manage the advanced team as part of your portfolio. Can you all tell us a little bit more about the advanced team initiative? You know, what do you do? How do you do it? Why did it get started? So what we aim to do with the advanced team is to create process and continuity in how we manage data at PNNL. And we're just at the beginning of this. We're a couple of years in and we are building process as we go. So we are leveraging projects like Aaron's and others who are gracious enough to let us in and help. And we don't claim to know how to do it perfectly, but what we are is committed to solving the problem in front of us. And so while our first focus is to help the project manage their data literally, we have a, a secondary focus and that's we meet outside of the project like a community of practice, but with some more rigor with the expectation that you'll show up and we compare notes and we share process. And we do this with the full knowledge of the PI and PM of the project like here. So it's an easy sell to ask a PI, can we meet on your project's time with others that do similar work and compare notes. And that's a very easy yes. We, we're not having a hard time convincing PIs and PMs to let us work like that. As a project PI, I reached out to Michael and his team and said, hey, data management is going to be a big part of this project and a big part of us being able to be successful. And so reached out to him, had all those conversations of what is an advanced team? How does it work within the projects? We actually ended up creating an entire thrust in the project that is just data management so that we were making sure that we had scope and budget to do all the work we needed to do to connect the scientists with the data engineers and the members of the advanced team and to really embed them and say, we're going to carve out scope and budget. We're going to make sure folks are tasked to work with you. You know, as the PI, there was work to say, okay, how do I align the data engineers with the, say, materials characterization task that's happening or the modeling task that's happening? 
how do I set up those conversations between, say, the data scientist and the material scientist with the advanced team member there to say, okay, how are you guys exchanging information? How do we need to collect this data and curate it? And what metadata needs to be collected with it so that then it's useful downstream. So getting the data generators and the data consumers together and really partnering with the advanced team, we actually created a stewardship board within the project with all the key stakeholders to say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to communicate it to staff? And really relying on some of those advanced team members who have data engineering and software engineering backgrounds to say, how do we not only get buy-in from everybody, but then what are the tools we're going to use to actually implement all of these components? And so that just became an active part of the project and has, has led to some of our key successes is actually having those conversations up front and continuing those conversations um, and bringing the Data Hub Advanced team in as subject matter experts alongside all of the other scientists on the project. And so that's how we've embedded them within our project. And if I can interject and build on top of that, one of the great things about kind of the advanced team is that when we do have our kind of community practice moments where we all get together and discuss what we're doing, we then can leverage these things that we have learned in other projects and help out our colleagues. So if I'm having an issue where I need to figure out how to organize data of a particular type in material science, one of my colleagues has probably also has had some experience in that domain, and then they can help me tailor whatever solution I'm building to better suit the project that I'm working for. And this kind of interchange and exchange of ideas, people, software, et cetera, that's kind of a very frequent thing that we're seeing and that we always talk about and do in the, the different kind of thrusts of the advanced team. Different projects are going to have different types of data and different data management needs. And so there's often that time of, okay, what is this project? What is its goals? What kinds of science are we dealing with? What kinds of data are we dealing with? And you've got to have those kinds of conversations up front so you know how to right size the advanced team to fit that particular project. Even other, the project I lead is a material science focused project. Other material science projects aren't going to have all the same needs that my project did. There's probably a lot they can learn from it, but it won't be a one-size-fits-all kinds of solution across PNNL. So because there's so much different work at PNNL that covers so many different domains, that can be perceived as difficult to create common processes. But it's also an opportunity to bring processes that might emerge in one domain and bring them to another. And we very purposely, no matter what kind of project we're working on, are always looking for common threads and common processes. And if you want to build a diverse team from many domains, that is possible at PNNL because we're not a single purpose lab. Really cool. Sounds really fun too to get to kind of explore all those different areas and see, like actually have a team that's able to see the the similarities and the differences between these projects and type of work. In that, what have been the challenges from both the provider and user side of implementing the advanced team model? I'm very opinionated on this, but the biggest challenge is showing that we're not making change just for the sake of making change. We're making change to help them with their curation practices to help make data more preservable and findable in the future. For example, we've had instances where we're curating a data set and it's from five years ago, and we're talking to a researcher, and we're like, hey, do you remember what you did here? And then he's like, it's from five years ago. I don't really remember. So 
that's the kind of stuff we want to begin to work towards avoiding and just showing that we're not just there to cause problems for them. That's a really good challenge that we have to kind of begin confronting from the get-go. So from the user side, again, the challenge is the culture component. I'll steal Michael's line. He says this and it's perfect. People manage data, systems help. And getting the buy-in on the user end from the other members of the team that, yes, we're doing some extra work, we're having some extra upfront conversations, it might change the way they do some of their practices. But like Thomas said, we're not doing it to create extra work for them. We're actually doing it to help save them work on the back end. But it's that culture component of this may change your daily operations a little bit. And how do we integrate that in a way where the different scientists, technicians, operators buy into that and understand how it's going to benefit them in the end and benefit them long run? So yeah, that's the been the biggest challenge is that culture component. And as we try to roll this out to other related projects, that's the first challenge we run into is that culture piece of we're not here to give you extra work. And the advanced team is also not here to take away ownership or control of anything. They are here to partner with you. And this is actually going to save you time and effort down the line because that thing you did five years ago, you now want to use it and you don't remember what you did or how you did it. And so now you've got to go repeat it rather than just utilize it. So there's enough technology to solve our problems. And there's enough best practices to create good process, stewardship, and governance. So we don't need more of those things. The issue is that it's so multifaceted, right? Like we're talking about software engineering. We're talking about library science. We're talking about data science. We're talking about policies and procedures. It gets into IP and legal and like it gets into authorship and ownership and it just keeps going, right? And so that's why I think we haven't made the progress in the past that we've needed to because bringing together such a diverse team to manage the many facets and also to do it without fear of this big boulder that it looks like right? To, to just all work together and, and push gently on that boulder to move it. And I think that in the past, for our decision makers, you know, above any of the pay grade here, it looks like too big of a thing to tackle. And so they've been hesitant. And now it looks like too big of a thing not to tackle. And so we're getting started. But I don't think that we need any, any more technology or any more best practices. I think we just need more people who are committed to working in teams. And Michael, you set me perfectly up for this question. You mentioned a lot of different areas of expertise there, and you mentioned how it's, it's the people side of things. Now, is the advanced team composed of the same people for every project? Does it vary by project? What does actually manning the advanced team look like? So yes and no. So we have lots of people who work on multiple projects and are kind of our go-to people for certain expertise. 
but we definitely are trying to solve the project's needs first. And after we have kind of established a relationship with the PI and PM so that change can flow down, then, then we start to bring in people as needed. And sometimes that's availability, sometimes that's expertise. And it's not always the same makeup. It depends on how big the problem is, how complicated the problem is, what domain it's in. And Thomas, I know you are on multiple projects working on data curation. So what role does data curation play in the advanced team, just overarching or in the work you do? What's that look like? I think I'll talk a bit more about kind of in the work that I do, but I'm beginning to view curation more as us helping the researcher tell the story they want to tell with their data. For me, the end goal of curation is making it so that way their downstream data users can have an easier time accessing and using their data. And an end-stream data user can be the machine learning specialist at the very end, the modeler, or it could even be that same researcher, like we were saying, five years into the future. So for me, the role that curation plays is we got to help them tell their story so that way they can find it and tell it again five years in the future. And the way that's done can vary from person to person and from project to project. We kind of really have this reusable workflow that we've been using to help curate and track changes to data as we are curating it. But in one of the projects that I work on specifically, it's been mainly revolved around giving data the extra longevity that it needs to continue to tell its story into the future, especially when it gets archived, you know, because 80% of data science is just cleaning the data. So if we can help curate and clean the data from the get-go, all of a sudden there's a lot more time that can be spent doing the cool machine learning part of data science that we all want to get to. And following up on that, looking at a different perspective, specifically looking at you, Aaron, as the PI, what has been the benefits and drawbacks of enlisting the support of the advanced team? I think I can give a huge list of benefits. I wouldn't say there's any drawbacks. I would say we've had some challenges, again, just getting people from diverse backgrounds, communicating with each other talking to each other rather than talking past each other. That's been one of the major challenges. But the benefits is, again, this is a new subject matter area. And so having the subject matter experts, we often refer to them as SMEs, having them as part of the team when we have questions. We've even had Shannon come into the team as a research librarian when we were trying to figure out How do we package our data into reasonable DOIs? And so when we want to go to publish the data, we have a large amount of data. As I said, there's materials characterization of many varieties. We've got simulation outputs. We've got machine learning models and their outputs. And so how do we reasonably collect all of this based on the publications we're going to want to do? So having that resource and being able to reach out to folks who that is their expertise and they can help us talk through that has been a huge benefit. Even just getting material scientists, microscopists, people who are taking images of our materials, talking to our data scientists, 
having that data engineer in the room to say, okay, how are we transferring this data between the two of you? What do you each need? What are you looking for out of this data? Because what a, a microscopist looks at it one way and a machine learning algorithm is going to look at that data a completely different way. And having somebody to help mediate that conversation has been an absolute game changer for us. So yeah, lots and lots of benefits. We've had a couple of challenges, but I don't think I would list any of those as drawbacks. My next projects, I will absolutely be bringing in the advanced team again. That's great to hear. And out of curiosity, as someone else at a large institution with lots of research projects looking to support researchers, what's the funding model for the advanced team? Is it centrally funded, grant funded, some other type of funding model? So as we envision the advanced team, and as we try to build capabilities, this is always something that we want to figure out so that we can sustain it over the long run. And fundamentally, we are project funded at the lab to do everything. Everything comes from project dollars. And so if you can tie it to project dollars, then it becomes easier. And so that's why earlier when I was talking about how we engage with the project, we are fundamentally asking the project to pay for the work we do with them, but we are on the project, right? We are team members. It's not like we're an outside group really embedded. We're all PNNL and we're on the team. Um, and uh, the only thing we're really asking is for, you know, a little bit of extra time for staff to go and talk to other people and compare notes. And again, like I said, that's a very easy sell. So when it's project-based funding, that makes it easy to sustain it because it kind of right-sizes itself. So the funding model being project-based is not only makes it right-size itself, but it makes it really easy inside my institution because nobody can tell me to stop doing it except for the PI PM of their project. And if that's the case, then I will work on a different project. And it's really interesting because it allows us the freedom to do what we need to do to explore ideas. But the decision makers at the lab like it too, because it's self-sustaining. So yeah, so as Michael was talking about, my project has created that budget and scope kind of elbow room to bring in the advanced team and embed them and make them part of my project team. As we do that, and as the advanced team is on more and more projects, we recognize where there are institutional resources that we need. How are we structuring things like storage of all of this data? Thomas has helped us actually connect some of our um, manufacturing equipment to the network. So that required us to think through how do you safely connect this piece of equipment and its control system to our internal network and not allow security issues to happen. And so there are some institutional things that then we can, as more and more projects embrace data stewardship and data management and having the advanced team as part of their project team, we can collectively go to the lab leadership and say, here are the institutional resources that we are seeing a need for. And as you're budgeting for the future years, this is what we advise you to consider and take into account and help us do great science by supporting these infrastructure needs. Do you think you'll see more people 
using resources like the advanced team now that they can ask for funding specifically for data management from a lot of the major grant funders? A lot of our funding agencies, um, particularly the Department of Energy, is now requiring data management plans as part of your proposal. And so we also have several success stories, such as my project. And so other proposal teams are seeing that and actually asking us the question and reaching out to the advanced team to say, how do I write a good data management plan? And how do I write the proposal, including a data management or data stewardship component? And how much funding do I need to ask for in that scope? So I think we are seeing more and more of that. And I always think, you know, Brianna and I often discuss our different institutions because she's academic, I'm government. And so it's very interesting to see the differences in how our data management support systems work at our institutions. So can you foresee something like the advanced team being successfully both implemented and taken up at other organizations? And if so, what sort of factors do you think are vital for the success of a project like this? So all my experience before coming to PNNL was academic. I've worked at many institutions. And so I feel like I understand that. And at PNNL, the scale of our projects compared to academics are much bigger. You can add another zero or two to the overall budget. And so data management as a practice become something that you can now talk about and foster. When your funding per project is smaller, then people have to do double duty. And it gets really difficult for a data scientist to get out of the data wrangling and data engineering practice in order to get a hold of the data they want. So it's trickier, I think, with smaller budgets like in academia, but it's also not impossible. And I think you need to find the PIs and PMs that are ready for this kind of thing and work with the willing, and then the word will spread from success. I think Michael is right. We we have the benefit at the National Labs of, of oftentimes our budgets are a little bit larger, so we've got that extra elbow room to put that scope in our projects. But as he said, you get the success by building that coalition of the willing and you get a few projects. My project has had some really interesting and fun successes. And then I get asked to come talk to other teams and other parts of our organization about what we've done and how we made it a success in order to help spread that message. So as that message spreads, even on the smaller projects where they might be able to leverage a lot of work that was done by previous projects or larger projects, then you start to be able to figure out how do you squeeze it into those smaller budgets. And so, yeah, once you get started and you start seeing those successes, then it's a lot easier to spread it across a larger budget institution like a national lab or a smaller budget institution um, like many research universities. So. We worked on a few smaller projects and we just downscoped what we were doing and we didn't go for data management as much as data education. And we helped them to understand the base root of data management, which is folder management, and started to help them 
understand the importance of that and documenting that inside of your curated data set so people later on can find their way around. And we didn't go much farther than that, but that was extremely helpful to those projects. It sounds like from some of this discussion, even if institutions can't uh, apply the exact same approach, they could benefit from the examples that you all are providing, both in what did you do, what was the scope of the project, and potentially even some kind of estimates of budgeting that they might want to include in their grant proposals. Absolutely. And I think that's a trend we see a lot where one size does not fit all. And this is a really good example of being able to scale that approach successfully. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really interesting to hear about the advanced team and how it works at PNNL to support research data management and the projects and the benefits that are coming from that. Um, I know I'm really interested to hear examples like this and think of ways that we could adapt and apply them at institutions like my own. And so with that, I just want to thank you all again for joining us. So thank you, Aaron, Thomas, and Michael yeah. for joining us here on IDEA. We appreciate you being willing to share your knowledge and experiences with the rest of our community. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us, folks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of IDEA. You can find the resources from today's show in the show notes. Our theme music is by Scott Holmes. And a big thanks to the Research Data Alliance Interest Group, Engaging Researchers with Data, for supporting our work. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate or review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.